Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So we said that the lightning looked like the lightning the other night. Well, guess what? The rays look like the rays again. Um, and, and in particular, I've been waiting for this guy. Austin Meadows broke out. He's had some good games. I'm not saying that he hasn't, but you know his first two at bats. Um, I think he had a he had a, what a home run and a triple. Yep, four triple RBI. Home, four RBIs in his first two at bats. Had a uh, was on it halfway to the cycle and got the the two hardest ones out of the way. Didn't get there. But Meadow, Meadows is the is the one that I think you know. What was it? Two years ago, he hit 30, 33 home runs or something like that. Mm-hmm. He's the guy that I've been waiting for, and he's been in the middle of the lineup, and I credit Kevin Cash for for keeping him there. He's not raised him, lowered him. He's not tried any shenanigans with him. He's the guy that I think has the biggest upside of the ones that have not been consistently hitting. Now, he's had RBIs. I think he leads the team in RBIs by a lot. I don't even think it's close. Um you know, he's managed to get his runs batted in. Yeah, he's got 33 but, of them now he has, yeah, after the four today. Which is really good. Like Rosarina has 26. Wendell's got 25. So, I mean, you know, he's leading. So, he, he's in amount. the middle of the lineup. Lead, yeah, decent amount leads the team. For a guy that hasn't really consistently uh, hit, um, he's, he's driven in an amazing amount of runs. I really think that if, if they get Meadows going in the middle of that lineup, and I don't expect him to just wear it out for the rest of the year, to me that that changes your lineup because – in this series, especially against Kansas City, I think the first three batters the other night, um, I don't know that they had a hit, and I think they struck out like eight times. Um, and so they were having trouble setting the table, the, the, and which is why, you know, credit Kansas City's pitching was very good, but they didn't score any runs. You need the guys, your best players, to be your best players, right? Whether that's a Rosarena, um, certainly Meadows, uh, Brendan Lau, those are the guys at the, at the top half of your order because I think they have a really, I think I think that the lineup is extended now with G Man Choi, um, the way Zanino's hitting. I mean, there there's some you know even Kiermaier had a couple of knocks, um, you know the other day. So it, it you know one through nine now they're starting to extend that lineup a little bit, and I I just think that Meadows is such a big part of this, you know, and he, he didn't hit in the postseason a year ago really. Uh, I think he had a home run here or there. But for the most part, that's the guy to me that has some upside that we haven't seen. You know what I mean? So this was a good game for him. Well, I really think that with G-Man Choi being back in the lineup, it really helps Austin Meadows, Mm -hmm. particularly when Choi is batting in front of Austin Meadows. Because the one thing we know about G-Man and Yandy, too, in this lineup, they have good at-bats. They'll take their walks. They'll go deep into counts. Yeah, They'll let you see every pitch the pitcher has. Mm-hmm. Um, they give you quality at bats every time. They don't always get on, but right. they give you quality at bats. And I think when you know Austin Meadows, you know today he hit behind G Man Choi in the lineup. When you yeah. hit behind guys like that, and those guys are around you in the lineup, it really helps you. And, mm-hmm. You know we know Austin's capable of it in the talent, but you know it's G Man. We talked about lengthens the lineup in that, but it also gives you quality at bats. Takes you get better deeper. pitches. Yeah. You and, get and, better yeah. pitches because what happens is, and I think this happened in this game uh, because obviously every time he came up, there was men on. 
when you've got one or two runners in front of you, listen, they can't walk people all night. You know what I mean? Like they, they're going to have to come to you at some point when there's a couple guys on and less than two out. They're going to have to try to throw strikes. And Toronto and tried when, to walk everybody the other night, and it didn't yeah. work out very well. But that's right. Um, and they they have shown that they can they're capable. But for the most part, you know that's when you you need your table setters. And you know, for my money, like a, a Rosarena strikes out way too much to be at the top of the lineup. Um, but he, but his on base like, percentage is what, it's not second bad. on the team. I mean, yeah, it's it's not bad. So I mean, he'll 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 take his walks too. Mm-hmm. It's just you know. Um, I, I think he strikes out way too much, but uh, but I think he's up there to get more at bats. He's up there to he's see also more pitches. Probably their most talented. He's probably their player. most potent hitter. Yeah, and that's sort of the little league um, approach, right? I want my best hitter to get as many at bats as possible. That's why he's up there. But listen, when there's guys on, then the Meadows is going to see better pitches, and you know, let's see if he can keep it going. I mean, you really need a guy like that to get hot. Here's what's carrying him, though, and I'm telling you. I'm so impressed with Shane McClanahan. I mean, he goes five innings, 63 pitches, could have gone deeper. I'm not sure exactly why they pulled him. Maybe they want to get I think they were up 7 nothing. Work. I think they were up 7 yeah. nothing. It was, it was, yeah. We got Waka here. We Call know we want to limit. Pitch. We're not sure how many innings guys like McClanahan are going to be able to handle this year. Sure. It's still the unknown that come to the second half of the year, Right. How are, are all these pitchers, that? and not just the Rays? I mean, every team in baseball. Right. They're gonna hit a wall. How are arms gonna hold up? How are how is this all gonna hold up? So if you've got a chance to save a guy, right? Yeah, he was dealing today, but you're up seven nothing. Oh, that, I think it was the right move. Yeah. I, I just mm-hmm. I I was a little surprised because of how efficient he was. I mean, yes. sixty three pitches through five is not a ton of pitches, right? But again, to your point, I think they're doing just that. They're trying to preserve the innings. Listen, McClanahan. They put up a stat about how many guys have thrown pitches over 100 miles an hour. He's right in the mix of that. He's second. Yeah, and, I mean, you talk about fastball change-up guy, uh, sinker. Mm-hmm. Um, well, his slider. slider. I mean, he added the slider, which is really what changed which the game Which has been huge, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I mean, this dude, for as young as he is, for as few starts as he's had, he, I mean, it has got a big-time arm, but more than that, he throws strikes. He's a strike thrower. Like you, if you're a hitter, you have to be on your toes for everything, right? Because everything's around the plate. It's not as if he has non-competitive pitches. You know, some guys have good stuff, but then you know they're 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 dirting a ball here or there, or they're they're two out of the top of the zone. McClanahan, everything starts out in the middle of the plate. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then it just dives. <laughs> it dives. It rises. Um, but he's around the plate. He's a strike thrower. Well, he and, had 47 strikes out of those 63 pitches today. Yeah, I mean, and I just, I, you know, you don't see, like there are some power pitchers that can't do that, you mm-hmm. know, and he's capable of it. I mean, because, I mean, 0-2 is not a good place to be on this guy. He literally can do anything he wants to to you. I just find him so hard to hit. And, I mean, again, their, their pitching has settled down to the point where it is, again, the strength of their team. You know what else is a strength? Their defense. Have you seen better plays in this series than than almost? I mean, the last two series. You go back to um, even the Toronto series, but but certainly against Kansas City, they have made some plays in the infield, in the outfield. I mean, it's it's highlight stuff. Well, and when you watch the other team, like Mondesi today, a routine grounder. Yeah, that he bobbled, took his time, and mm-hmm. then uh, who was was it? Walls running. Yeah, it was Walls so. running. And then he was going to beat him, and then he spiked it in the dirt. 
Right. You know, I mean, it was a, a routine play. It's, it's, you know, mm-hmm. we see these teams all the time. And, and we'll get into Javi Baez's play in, in a minute <laughs> oh, here. Man. If you haven't seen this one yet, oh my goodness. <laughs> it, Twitter blew up in any baseball fans. Woo. It was, um, I sent it to a few. I sent it to you. The Pirates. Um, yeah. So, but the, yeah, the defense in the leagues and that, I mean, the Rays saved so much. And, and getting back to the pitching, too. Mm hmm. Do you know how many walks the Rays had in this three-game series against the Royals? Mm-mm. They gave up three. Three in three games. Three walks. Tyler Glasnow gave up two, and then McHugh gave up one in the ninth today. And, I mean, so that's – I mean, McHugh, was, he finished the game, so you're talking about all the starters, and two of those mm-hmm. were from the same starter in yeah. Tyler Glasnow. I mean, Rich Hill so everybody had, what, the 13 strikeouts and no walks on two. Didn't walk anybody, yeah. yeah. Uh, but they gave up three walks in the whole series. That's, how, that's yeah. winning baseball. Well, it's winning baseball, but I got I got to be honest with you. Don't give them freebies. Don't give them freebies, but here's what makes it here's what makes pitchers able to do that. The guys behind them making plays. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They work fast, the, you know, Richell does, they, but they work fast. The the, the the fielders are into it. Um, you know, they're not falling asleep out there. And that's but you also as a pitcher, you trust you can pitch to contact. You're not like, "Hey, I don't know what I got behind me here. Maybe I need to strike everybody out." So these guys are throwing strikes. And they're putting the ball in play, and they're coming up with plays for him. I mean, you know, a couple of great catches in the outfield by Kiermaier in the Rich Hill game. Um, you know, a great turn of a double play um, in, in this one. So, listen, I mean, they, the Rays have always prided themselves on defense. I really – I got to be honest with you. Like, I loved Willie Adamas because of the energy that he brought, and he made himself a really good shortstop. I'm not sure this kid that replaced him isn't way better. Defensively, you know, he, defensively, I think you're right, and, and offensively, he possibly could be. I love the way. I, listen, he's very simple at the plate. He's a switch yep. hitter. He doesn't try to do too much, you know, uh, with with the ball. His bat, and I wish I did this when I was playing. He keeps his bat in the zone, right? So, like, if your bat is is over the strike zone for a long time, chances are you're going to get a piece of the baseball. He is just he 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 can run. He's he has energy. Um, he prides himself on defense. He's probably, you know, more of a defensive player even than he is an offensive player. But let me tell you, you got a switch hitter like that, and, and you know that you that you can play every day against lefties or righties, and he looks equally potent against both. It's really impressive. I mean, this kid's had a hell of a week when you think about coming to the big leagues. He has, and and by the way, for Willie Adamas, he had a big three run home run today to give the Brewers a lead. Now they end up giving it up. Did and he? Winning, Good for winning him. an extra innings, but yeah, he had a three run shot. So look, I, I figure he's going to win the batting title, the Brewers, because he doesn't have to play at the Trop half the season. So because <laughs> we know right. he, that's where he can't bat. Everywhere else, he did okay. You know what? None of them can hit at the Trop. It's the weirdest thing. Um, they just they're not they're not any good at it. It's a, it really is amazing how they've been that way. There's such a disparity. Yeah. You know, but in the past they've been so good at the trap, not necessarily offensively, but just as a team. And this right. year they've struggled there, but Yeah. So anyway, we've got the uh uh the Rays now, you know, re- beginning a new winning streak after they had won 11 in a row. Um yeah, it's 13 you know, out of 14 now, now. Now they got 13 out of 14 two in a row. Started a new streak. The Tampa Bay Lightning are waiting to see as we do this podcast right now. Nashville is up two to one on Carolina, so they're trying to extend that series to seven games. If that's if so, if Nashville so for Lightning fans, if Nashville wins this game, and by the time you hear this podcast, the, You'll decision, know. the outcome will be known. Mm-hmm. Nashville wins, then they go to a game seven on Saturday. Right. Uh, actually, I think they set the time now at five o'clock or five thirty, something like that. Okay. 
So at that point, the Lightning wouldn't start their series with the winner of that game until Monday or Tuesday, presumably. Mm -hmm. If Carolina ends up coming back and winning this game, then the Lightning could start as early as Saturday. Right. Might be Sunday. I'm guessing it's one of those two days Mm -hmm. as far as when they would play the next game. That one would be in Carolina. Right. Uh, If they do play Nashville, if it goes to Game 7, Nashville wins. Game 1 would be at Amelie Arena either Monday or Tuesday, presumably. Right. Now, aside from um, just wanting, and, and again, we may, we may, you'll, you'll know by the time you hear this podcast if Carolina has won. But aside from wanting to extend the series and get more days off, which I think are critical at this time of year, don't you think that the Tampa Bay matches up better with Nashville than they do Carolina? I'd rather play Nashville, absolutely. If I'm the yeah. Lightning, uh, you know, yeah. oh, look, the Lightning can beat either one of these teams, but and they're both good. I mean, let's mm-hmm. not let's not pretend they're not. They're both in you mm-hmm. know in in the playoffs, but. I just think that that's a, a better match. I mean, Carolina won the division. Again, Tampa Bay didn't have Kucherov. They missed Stamkos the last, what, month or so. Um, so it's a different team. But, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, you're definitely, if you're, if you're Tampa Bay, you're rooting for Nashville just to get the extra days, which just uses time. So that that's a big deal. Um, so we got, uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. And as, as well as uh, we got your mailbag questions today. A uh, good sample of questions uh, all over the place, which is nice. Um some some challenging stuff, 100% guaranteed correct answers. So let's get started. Well, we'll start. We have a couple uh, people either correcting or adding on to some conversations we've had this week. So sure, we'll start with Kenny, who says, Rick keeps saying the match was the first and only sporting event going on since the pandemic had started. That's not true. NASCAR had come back on May 17th and was racing on the 24th as well, the day of the match. Just thought I'd let you guys know. All right. Well, this is where I would normally say that I said sporting event. <laughs> oh. I know. I know. I can't. Listen, um, down here in the south, you know, we're all about NASCAR. And and I, even though that the cars are the athletes in this particular event, I will I will grant you that there were some, some races. They went racing um, in the south. I guess I was thinking more about, you know, like man to man combat. I don't know. I wasn't I somehow I, I overlooked motorsports. It's it's on me. I'm not gonna get into whether, you know, golf which Well I I double checked that because then I thought about that. Wait, golf started back too, but they actually started a couple weeks later than that. So it had yeah. golf had not started back. It was after Kenny sent the question, I was like, you know what, let me check golf. I would love to check the ratings for like what did better NASCAR or the the match. I, mean, I, I think NASCAR really did really well like the first week or two, and then it started tailing off as other sports started coming back. And and they went back without fans too. I think right they didn't have or they had very limited. I, fans I believe or, it was without, but I that, this is just yeah. going off the top of my head. Maybe it was very yeah. limited, but I'm not sure why I excluded them. It might have been overlooked. Um, those of you who don't think that that uh, NASCAR racing is a sport, then you're welcome to protect me on this. But uh, there's not many of there's not many of those. Have you ever been to a NASCAR race? You know what? Sadly, no. Okay. I have not. I have not. I've been. I've to, watched. I've been to I've eight of them. Eight NASCAR races. I've been to a. You know, the only race I did was early in my career. I was a correspondent for the Times. They sent me to the 24 hours of Sebring or 12 hours of Sebring. Mm-hmm. It felt like 24. They sent me to the 12 hours of Sebring. I had no idea what was happening. There was extra drivers in every car. The cars were breaking. They kept sending me like statistics mm-hmm. about, you know, what broke on what axle broke on this car. 
I don't know how I wrote a story. I, I'm sure I did write one. <laughs> Seriously, I don't know. And it was in Sebring, which is sort of an outpost down in southwest Florida. And all I know is that when I got there to the track, there was a line of regular people trying to watch this race. But they were all driving Porsches and BM, you know, all the Ferraris and, you know, mm-hmm. all the automakers that were in. I said, wow, this is like, this is not your typical racing audience, right? Like, these people were all like foreign sports car, you know, devotees. I mean, they were they were really into it. So um, that's the only race I have covered. Okay. And, and I have not gone, in, and I'm embarrassed to say, having lived here my whole life, I have not been to the Daytona 500 or the Firecracker 400, anything at Daytona. Mm-hmm. That's on me. Um, it's not that I don't want to go, but I haven't gone. So the, the, my day is coming. So I, I I, when I lived in Cincinnati, we, we carried NASCAR on a radio station, and the Kentucky Speedway had opened up. Sure. Uh, about an hour south of Cincinnati. And so they had mm-hmm. the Truck Series race. They had the uh, whatever the, the – not the – I don't know, sprint car race, but whatever it was below back then. Right. I, I mean, it was still the Winston Cup, and then it switched to the I think it was sprint, sprint Cup cars, yeah. Mm-hmm. But whatever the, the – I can't remember the next one. It was a Craftsman Truck Series, and then there was the other series. They would have yeah. those races. We went to any races there. So I, I would watch, and, and I, I was getting into NASCAR and that. And my sister had moved to Charlotte, and I went down to visit her. It was the weekend before Memorial Day. And I, I drove in, got there like Friday night. We're just uh, hanging out at a bar. You know, what are we going to do this weekend or whatever? And she was new to town, didn't know a lot. And, you know, all of a sudden something came on the te- television about the the all-star race for NASCAR was there that weekend. It's always the weekend before Memorial Day in Charlotte. So right. we said, well, let's go, you know. And it's cool. You can bring your own You can bring your own cooler full of beer. And, oh, yeah. You know, you know. so we, we you know, got some coolers. We brought some beer. We bought some tickets and went. And so we're sitting there watching the race. Well, the all-star race is a little different. It's not like, you know, start your engines, run 200 laps, and you're done. They would start, stop, rearrange the order, kick some people out. You know, this, it, they, they were trying new ways to do this. And I'm not a huge NASCAR fan, but we're enjoying it. We're having fun. And the guy next to us is, is teaching us through this whole thing. Okay, now they're going to do this. They're going to do this. They're going to, mm-hmm. you know, now they're going to, you know, the last 10 cars get knocked out of the race and they're going to rearrange the order. Okay, great. You know, we're having a blast, enjoying it. <clears throat> so at one point I reach into my cooler and I think I had Bud Light or something in there. And I saw, you know, I pulled one out. Gave one to my sister, myself, and I, I offered the guy next to us who was helping us. I said, hey, would you like a beer? He pulled back from me and goes, I'm a Rusty Wallace man. <laughs> Didn't talk to us the rest of the night because I offered him a Bud Light. <laughs> and Rusty Wallace drove the Miller Lite car. I was, like, I was like, I wasn't trying to insult your mother or anything. <laughs> it's all about loyalty. It's a brand, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm a Bud was, man. He was nice to us the whole ride. Then he wouldn't talk to me the rest of the race. I was wow. Like, I was like, Wow. <laughs> I wonder how he felt about M and M's. I don't know. <laughs> I'll never forget that. But uh, that is crazy. But I used to go. Listen, every, we used to go every year to visit my sister, and we'd go to the race every year. The, the loyalty towards to the, to the drivers, though, is really oh, something. It's right? incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. And then and I went to yeah, Talladega three races, which is awesome to see Talladega. Well, and that's nothing but a bunch of wrecks, right? I mean, they, we won't wreck it at Talladega. Yeah, I mean, that was we? before restrictor plates. So this was back in, so I went, oh, what, okay. 03, 04, you know, that 05. That was that and time nowadays, right? man, it's just a pile of uh, No, the, the, the best one was, uh, I don't remember which, which race at Talladega, but late in the race, Dale Earnhardt's leading, and he's God there. And so he's leading the he's race, and then the late caution comes out. And then Jeff Gordon ends up winning the race. 
Oh, no. Oh. So the beer cans come Rain. flying out of the stands. Rainbow Warrior. At Jeff Gordon's car as he's trying to do, you know, spinning yeah. out and all this stuff. And Although, I got to credit, he had a great line. So, you know, I mean, the fans are just merciless, you know, just ruthless yeah. on him, booing him. Sure, sure. Raining beers down on him. And after the race, they asked him about, you know, did you see all those beer cans they were throwing? He goes, oh, I thought those were Pepsi cans. Because <laughs> he was driving for the Pepsi <laughs> Yeah, car. he was. I was like, oh, that's a pretty good turnaround there. <laughs> what I love about NASCAR is, like, you know, uh, if you cover it, and I have not, but like when you cover it, so you'll get quotes, but not just from NASCAR, but you get quotes from every sponsor. Like they all have their own quotes. <laughs> but I love the guy with the, you know, where they change the caps like 16 times while he's on TV. And then he goes, well, you know, the Pepsi, uh, Pepsi car ran good with the Goodyear tires and uh, you got to give it to, you know, the so-and-so spark plugs. Like they got to name every sponsor, right? Oh, and, and they coach like them too, man. Because it- Oh, yeah, they do. And the funny thing is you watch NASCAR, and if they don't mention a sponsor, you're like, that guy messed up. Yeah, he <laughs> like, did. Like, you notice it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, you 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 know, it's not the number four car. It's whatever the sponsor is, number four car. Yes. You know, so, um, yeah. Anyway, listen, maybe maybe I misspoke, or maybe I didn't, but it just <laughs> depends on your, your perspective. Because some people think that the cars are the athletes. when It's really the drivers. So there's that. But, Okay. All right, Bob wrote that. us. Bob wrote us and says, "I'm writing on the one thing that you both missed on the golfers' football debate. In golf, God forbid someone clicks a picture or makes a sound while they're swinging. It has to be perfectly quiet and still. Tom Brady's trying to do his thing with seventy thousand screaming fans, and half of them screaming against him, with guys across him coming at him while he tries to buy enough time to throw the ball. He usually has people all around him. So football is much harder and tougher than golf. I mean." Okay, that is true. You, you, and my uh, my father was probably the guy that, that least understood this because we would sit there and watch golf on a Sunday with the with the best of them back in the day, the Jack Nicholas days, right? And he would always say, "I don't get it." He goes, "You can't make a sound, really. These guys are standing over a shot, and it's like all these fans are there and they're being quiet." He goes, "You know, he 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 played professional baseball, football. You can scream and yell. Every other sport." What is it about these guys? Like, shh, don't, they're going to putt now. You don't want to make a mistake when they putt. I love it when the announcers that are miles away are. They're whispering, yeah. They're like in the, yeah. They're like in a studio somewhere on a, like a, or, you know, in a tower, you know, saying he's got about five. Have you ever listened, by the way, have you ever heard golf on radio? I have. I've carried it. It's crazy, right? (laughs) It's so weird. Listen, I can imagine, like, theater of the mind, like, I can imagine a lot of things. Like, baseball, to me, is great, right? Mm-hmm. You can hear the guy, and, and, you know, to me, baseball is the best radio sport. Because, you know, you, you, I mean, if you listen hard enough, the, the sound, the soundtrack of baseball, mm-hmm. the hum of the stadium, you hear the vendors, you know, going, get your beer, well, it has whatever. the right pace, too, to allow yeah, you to describe slow. things between. You right. have enough time to, descri- to, to give you that picture and description. Like, you know. Right. And a exactly. hockey game that's flying up and down. I mean, you know, Dave it's, Michigan does oh, a great job. God bless him. He does. It, has it, he, he's got. But all you're it, getting is what the, what's on the puck. You where the puck right. is. You don't. You're not getting the whole picture of everything. Where baseball, and, you have and, time to describe it. And he never. You know, he he can't take a breath. Like literally, like like shoves it right point, right point uh, stamp calls left point. You know, so they do that. And and the thing about um, you know baseball has its its pregnant pauses and it's sort of you know but but it's like you know. Uh, the wind, the pitch, you know, ball outside. And, oh, by the way, it reminds me, 
and they tell their stories in between. And But you can visualize it. You can hear it. You can hear the crowd. You can hear the vendors, all that stuff. The weirdest thing about the weirdest sport on radio is golf because you have no theater like standing over a 25-foot putt is going to break a little left to right. And now he's going to, well, he backs off for a second. Now he's going to, lines it up. Okay, and here comes the ball, and it rolls, and it's headed towards the puck, and it is, oh, he just missed it. It is the weirdest thing because there's a little bit of tension, but you're trying to imagine a ball rolling mm-hmm. towards a hole. Like there's no, there's no drama in this, right? Like did he make it? But it's just so, it's so funny to me that, you know, they'll go hole to hole to hole, golfer to golfer to golfer. And, you know, and that's it. Like, you're describing something. Well, and the dirty I, secret is, is they've been calling those golf tournaments from studios for 20 years now. Yeah. Where all yeah, the other not. announcers, other sports are doing it now for the first time with COVID. Right. They've been fooling golf's us been doing it. Yeah, golf's been doing it for 20, 30 years. Right. But they still, they still don't want to talk too loud because <laughs> the golfers may hear you. It's just funny to me. Um, where were we? We were talking about, uh, we had a question. Football's harder than golf. He was just, it was more of a comment on our conversation. Yeah, well, listen, I mean, harder, but I would say this. Um, I've never attempted any sport harder than golf. Again, it's... it's, Well, here's the one thing. It's all you. It's an individual thing. You don't have anyone that can bail you out. No. You know, Tom makes a bad throw, but a player goes and dives and grabs it. Right, you know, or you know, you, you get bailed out. Where golf, it's all it's all on you. But granted, yeah. you know, no one else can mess you up either. I mean, Tom Brady can throw a perfect pass, and you could drop you it. You know, Chris yeah. Godwin can drop it, or you know, pop it up in the air, and it gets picked off. And right, you know, so I mean, you know, it, it's definitely you know, there's a big difference of team sport and individual sport too. Yeah, no one's taking a run at a golfer, you know, as he's taking a. a well, Bruce Kepka says they do, but well, maybe the fans, maybe, maybe yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, that whole thing, by the way, yeah. with him and DeChambeau has just gone sideways. We're going to see oh, those guys it. in a WWE match soon. Um, yeah. I, I, again, it's skill versus something else. I, I don't know. They're, they're different sports for sure. Mm-hmm. And I, but I just know that the hardest thing I've ever tried, like I said, I hit a ball that was moving. It was easier than one that wasn't. I don't know why. I can't describe it. Like trying to control that low golf ball is so hard to me. And those that play it well and play it at the professional level just, you know, it it, it blows me away. So, yeah, I I, I get what they're saying. Um, you can't make a sound. That's true. Listen, Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl is by far more impressive to me than what Phil Mickelson did. Phil Mickelson has been able to physically hit a golf ball a long way. He had the longest drive in this last tournament um, in, in a, you know, in one of the longest courses in the PGA uh, against 25-year-olds that can hit it a ton. So he's, he's still got game. He's still able to drive the ball like that. Um, but Tom Brady, nobody has done what he's done. Of course, nobody's won a major at 50. I get it. But, you know, you think about the risk of playing football and the hits you take and he took some hits last year. I mean, I, I can remember some shots that he took down the field where he got destroyed. You know, nobody's running at Phil Mickelson at full speed when he's trying to to, to knock down a 12-footer, you know, and no one's making a sound when he when he hits it. So I I just think that, you know, football to me, like that's that's the greatest accomplishment. Although what Phil did is I, even Phil said a couple of days later, he goes, I'm still trying to understand what I just did here, you know, that it's still trying to sink into me. Well, that's a good question. All right, we have no one comment. more comment based on uh, one of our shows earlier this week, and Craig asked, 
Based on the current conditions now with water and the time of year, what are the best trees or flowers to plant at this time? Also, what mower and depth would you suggest so I don't get those lines in my lawn? Listen, I mentioned that I, uh, in between um, lawn services, or maybe I didn't, but I am. And I don't mean to turn this into a lawn garden show, but it's a big thing. Like, you cut your own lawn, am I right? I do, yes. Is there... Because yeah, I've had a couple services throughout the years, and they just don't do as good of a job. So, And I, I, I don't think they would do as good a job as I would, except that I just don't have the time. There's no way that you're going to get me out there, even for a couple hours a day uh, or a week, to, to push a mower. Uh, you could say, well, what if you had a riding mower? Okay, but I look my, my lawn isn't so big. I look dumb in a riding mower. So there's a little bit of vanity involved. But to me, lawn service is the best bargain going, right? Like I've... I'll be happy to tell you guys what I pay. It was it's $125 a month, no contract. They do everything. Hedges, edging, mm-hmm. weeds, you name it. So and and there's a million lawn services in our in our development as, you know, there's just a lot. It's a busy space. But I I hope I didn't like come off as like, you know, killing people that do their own. If you do your own, great. It, I just find it it's just hard for me. I don't have the time. Mm-hmm. And and now I'm without a guy. So it's, you know, it's it's something I have to deal with, and I, I don't need one more thing. I'm just waiting for the time for my sons to get old enough to, to do it, so then I don't have That's to why you them. have sons, right? <laughs> that's, what my dad, that's what my dad told me when I didn't want to do the everybody's dad. Everybody's dad gets to that point where he goes, guess what? You're cutting the grass now. And you're like, what? Wait, what? He's like, yeah, this is your job every every Saturday or every Sunday or whatever, whenever he did it. And he's like, you've seen me do it. Now you're going to do it. And you're like, ah. And there's no money involved. It's just like, no, you've no, taken it yeah. over. Yep. And that was a rite of passage, right, when you could get behind that mower yeah. and push it. I so. remember one time complaining about mowing the grass. He said, what do you think I had sons for? Or what <laughs> I had a son right. for? <laughs> that's right. Thanks. That's why, you, you, that's why you're here. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's – and, I, you know, I cut grass for, you know, a summer job. I've done all that. I had lawns, and uh, it's it's hard, dirty work. And, and uh, you know, but the guys that do it around here are great. So if anybody's got a lawn service guy, send them my way because uh, I'm, uh, I am officially my people have left me. They have um, they they've reduced their work staff, and I think they were coming from too far away. And so I'm I'm my grass is now going to continue to grow until I hire somebody. So you know, check us out. <laughs> Hit me up at rstrat@tampabay.com for <laughs> for your lawn service <laughs> needs. I'm in Lutz, Florida, by the way. So you know you might want to if you're not from this area. You have to pack us some gas to get up here. All right, we'll transition from landscape Tampa Bay back to sports day Tampa Bay. And um, mm-hmm. Matt had asked, "How big has Ross Colton been for the Lightning this postseason compared to the subpar performance of Matthew Joseph?" Seems as though Colton is playing the part Anthony Sorelli had a few years ago in the playoffs, and has added a needed spark to his line. First of all, Ross Colton should should be forever known as Ross Golton after the way he came on as a scorer uh, early in his uh, early in this season. And he is, without a doubt, the favorite of my two daughters, and predominantly not because of his play, but because of his looks. Okay, fair enough. We got that out of the way. Um, to me, Colton is even more effective now because of Barclay Goodrow coming back and putting him now on that fourth line. That fourth line is wicked good. And I don't know. I mean, this this kid has has earned it. Um, he started scoring from the time he got here, and there weren't just any goals; there were big goals. 
He always seems to be in the right place. It's, you know, he's one of those guys where they say, well, the puck finds his stick. No, he puts himself in, in positions to, to impact the game. I think he's one of their best players and best young players for sure. So, I mean, what do you make of him, Steve? I, I think the guy's, the guy's a, a big factor, and I, I don't know that you would play anybody else in his place right now. Yeah, I, I would disagree on Matt's premise of the subpar performance of Matthew Joseph. I think he's had a good season. Right. I think Ross Colton has provided a spark, though, definitely. And yeah. I, I'm definitely leaving Ross Colton in over Matthew Joseph at this point. Mm-hmm. That fourth line this year was supposed to basically be Mitchell Stevens, Matthew Joseph, and Pat Maroon. Mm-hmm. That's essentially how the, the, the fourth line was supposed to be going into the season. Right. Mitchell Stevens played you know, early, then got hurt. Since he's he's played, I think two games since he came back from injury, but he can't find his way back in the lineup. Presume most likely because Ross Colton, the way he's played, right? That fourth line is a different line when he's centering it. Matthew Joseph's mm-hmm. done fine. Tyler Johnson looked really good the other night. He did. With, he was with fast. Ross Colton he had, on that had line. the assist yeah. on with yeah. That's the best Tyler Johnson's looked in a, in a while. It is. Um, you know that that line when Ross Colton's on that line, it jumps out at you. Mm-hmm. Pat Maroon has talked about it many times this season. Right, um, he's a very responsible player, Colton. He knows he, he's in the right spot. Mm-hmm. He'll go to the dirty areas. He'll do those kind of things. And it just right. when Barkley Goodrow came back for Game Six, it now gave you four potential offensive scoring lines. Right, and, and they and they scored the first goal for them. You know, Tyler Johnson beats the ice. Pat he gets Maroon, it to Pat yeah. Maroon. Right. You know the fourth line. The, the Lightning had become a three-line team in this playoffs with with Goodrow out. Mm-hmm. They just that fourth line wasn't doing. And sometimes they only had it was only Johnson and Maroon, and they double shift guys on those lines. Other times Joseph was in there. They weren't bad, but they they just were they were nothing in the offensive zone. And, right, and all of a sudden Ross Colton comes on the line and it looks a lot better. And it had all season when he was on that line. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think Ross Colton's been a huge find. I mean, I, you know, I don't know exactly what the organization thought this guy would do when he got called up, and, and you never know. You know, I mean, Alex Barry-Boulay was called up this year, and there's been others. But Ross Colton just, you know, from the minute he got up here, jumped off the page. Jumped off. I mean, you just you noticed him on the ice and, and doing good things and being in the right spot and doing things the right way. Well, and he had huge goals. Right. I mean, and, he, yeah. right off the beginning, he mm-hmm. won games with those goals. Yeah. But he's also very responsible, responsible defensively, Defensively, too. right. You know, right. which is what keeps your time on the ice. I mean, the, That's the big right. goals are nice, but the coaches, you play good, responsible defense, and you're going to stay out there a lot longer, which is why they can't take him out of the lineup at this point. Right, right. Uh, Good-looking young player, and, and I think he's helped them. So, I, I mean, I feel – you know, you feel for Matthew Joseph, who also had a good year, but you can only get so many guys on the ice mm-hmm. and with, you know – Kucherov coming back, Stanko's back now. Um, you know, well, look, some of these guys. Look, sit I down. mean, if you make a long playoff run, you're going to have more injuries come up. You're going to have guys oh, miss sure. games here. And well, there. Joseph so, will be back. Yeah, yeah Joseph's. You know, it, this is nothing against Joseph. It's just Ross no. Colton's been really, really good. Yeah, um, I think even Joseph would tell you that. Yeah, I mean, you're you know. you're comfortable putting Matthew Joseph in that lineup, and I think he's had a good year, and I think mm-hmm. he's he's taken significant steps this year compared to what, where he was last year and previously. Right. Um, and, and good on him for that. I mean, he's you know he's been very he's been very good this year. Mm-hmm. All right, John asked, crystal ball question inspired by your comments about now being an amazing time for local teams. Can you talk about each one's window for success and how long the Bucks, Lightning, and Rays can realistically stay at these plateaus, barring injuries or acts of God, of course. Hmm. 
Well, looking to my crystal ball, um, the Bucks window would seem to me to be the smallest, and and that is predominantly because of who their quarterback is. Um, they have no – listen, I, I like Kyle Trask like the last guy, okay? And maybe he'll ascend to the point where he is their franchise guy for years and years to come. Here's the problem with rookie quarterbacks, particularly those drafted almost in the third round. He's the bottom of the second round guy. Is that if he doesn't play for a couple of years, let's say Brady plays this year and next year, then you really only got two years to, to, to figure out what he is before you have to commit to him. And that's what's going on around the NFL right now. Teams are drafting quarterbacks early in the first round or in the first round, and they get about two years into it, and they go, hmm, we're about a year or two from having to decide that if we want to go with this guy, we're going to have to hand him just an incredible amount of money. And so that's why you're seeing teams part with their young, young stars, young quarterbacks after about two years. So, I I mean, I think the window is small because I can't tell you who's going to replace Tom Brady. If it's Kyle Trask, more power to him. I don't know, just watching him now, if he's going to be as successful. Um, and I can't tell you who's going to be around him. This is a weird team. It's a, it's a, it's a mix between uh, veteran and, and young player for sure. But their young players, even some of their young stars, are going to be coming up for free agency in the next year or two. Um, and I think that they're going to have hard decisions to make. So uh, I think the Bucks window is small. The Lightning window, as long as Andre Vasilevsky's on the ice and some of the young guys I've seen, um, of course, you'd love to have Cooch and to some degree Stamkos. I think the Lightning's window is bigger than the Bucks And the Rays, I don't see it closing. I mean, the Rays reinvent themselves all the time. I, I, I think, think the yeah, Rays. I think are, the Rays have the biggest window. And they it's have because the their farm system is loaded. Yeah, I mean they 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 do it with with not just twenty five players, but with forty five. So, you know, as 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 great of prospects as they have, and the, their ability to draft and develop, I mean they they could win for many many years. I think at this point. Yeah, I think I think you they know? have the biggest window because they they have the biggest pool of prospects. They have the biggest depth right. in their organization. The right. Lightning's going to be interesting because the cap is not going up next year. It didn't mm. go up this year. Presumably, you're not going to have somebody going LTIR like Cooch and like Cooch save you a ton right. of money off the, the salary cap. And players, yeah. They've, they've got free agents of guys like Barkley Goodrow, Blake Coleman. You've got expansion draft coming up, so you're going to lose a player there. You get to protect mm. the eight to nine players depending on. The, the roster is going to look a lot different because they've got to shed some salary next year. You know, presumably you'd like to keep one of Goodrow or Coleman. I don't think you can keep both because mm-hmm. they're going to get enough money elsewhere to right. where you're not going to be able to keep both. Um, you know, I mean, your core of, of Kucherov and Point and Hedman and Sergachev and Chernak and Sorelli are going okay, right? to be yeah. there. Yeah. But, you know, the guys like Palat, Kalorn, Gord, Johnson, uh, maybe even McDonough. Those are big um, names, you're going to have yeah. to shed some contracts at some point. Yeah, and and some of them are harder to shed than others based on no move or trade clauses, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, look, I, their window is still there. But the roster for the first time this off season, I think, is going to have the biggest change it's had in seven, eight, nine years. Mm. As far as you know, number of guys are going to be different now. Your hope is guys like Ross Colton continue to develop and Alex Barry Boulay and maybe sure. Daniel Walcott. And you've got, you know, some of these young guys that 
the Lightning's farm system isn't as deep as it used to be. I mean, there was a couple years there. It was it was like the Rays. It was one of the best in in hockey. Mm-hmm. But years of drafting late first, if they even have first round picks, a lot of, they've traded a lot of them recently. Um, their farm system's not as stocked as it used to be as far as the amount of depth. Now, do they have good players? Yes. And some of them are going to become good NHLers? Yes. But, I, I, you know, they're still in their window because guys like Point and Sorelli and, and those guys are in their prime, Vasilevsky particularly. They're in their prime. Uh, especially him, yeah. So their window's there. Um, but yeah. it's, it's going to be a different-looking roster come starting next season. And there's going to be tough mm-hmm. decisions of, you know, which players are you moving or getting rid of. And, you know, some of it's going to come down to money. Some of it's going to come down to what you can get for them, too. Um, you know, mm-hmm. for which ones you – you know, we thought Tyler Johnson wasn't going to be on the roster this season. Um, or maybe Alex Horn wasn't. Well, because of Kucherov's being on LTIR, they were able to keep both of them. They had, yeah. they did have to get rid of Cedric Paquette and Braden Coburn. They had to sh- shed a couple salaries to keep the team together. But next year, it's going to be a bigger, a bigger move to move more salaries because initially, when you looked at going into next season, some of those salaries were already going to be gone because of Kucherov's yeah. injury. It didn't happen, so I think they're still in their window, but it's going to look different. So we're going to go Bucks, Lightning, and Rays uh, from the smallest to the biggest window, right? I think so. So yeah, I think that makes sense. Now, you know, the Bucks have. A, I mean, they've done really well in drafting the last few years. If if they can, whenever Brady decides he's done, are they able to sign a free agent quarterback? That can definitely extend that window. Kyle Trask, baby. Well, or or Kyle Trask, but I mean, maybe let's say, let's say Brady goes yeah. a year or two, and then Aaron Rodgers available. Or, there you go. Yeah. You know, I mean that, that definitely. Ex- I mean, in football, that quarterback can extend things, just much like in hockey, Vasilevsky can extend things. Well, and listen, they've won two Super Bowls, both with free agent quarterbacks. It's not an accident. They're they're paying attention. Mm-hmm. You know, the Glazers are paying attention. Like, why do we want to go through the rigors of drafting and developing a guy like Jameis and going through all those growing pains? Let's find a guy who can play and try to get him down here to Tampa, and I think that's the route they're going to go. Yep. All right, uh, let's see. Let's go to John here. He asked, well, the Bucks are expected to be in the hunt to repeat this season. What if the worst possible thing happens on the field? a Brady regression, or injury. A Gabbard or Trask-led offense would be much different. So would the Bucks be playoff contenders without Brady? Depends on for how long. If you're talking about a few games, um, yes. If you're talking about a season or half a season, something like that, no. I don't think Blaine Gabbard's going to take this team to the postseason unless you know there were an awful lot of wins already, already uh, in the books. Um, so, yeah, I mean... You got to hope that Brady stays healthy. I mean, Gabbard is a is a quality backup. He's won. I, I think he's four and four with Bruce Arians in the past. So Arians has a lot of confidence in him, and we saw him come into what the Atlanta game or one of the games last year and actually play pretty well in spots. I think he's, I think he's ready to play if he needs to. But, um, you're not you're not a playoff team if you have to spend a lot of weeks with Blaine Gabbard at quarterback. Mm-hmm. That's that's just my opinion. I, I could and I'm not trying to undersell Blaine because I know he's worked really hard and this is probably the best team he's ever been on, so there's that. I just don't think it's gonna happen without without Brady. Yeah, uh, I the one thing I will give the Bucks credit is their defense is good. It is good. And so that yeah. can help Sure. If you need to go a few weeks with a backup quarterback. Sure. Because you they can, can keep you in games even if, if even if the quarterback's not that effective. 
Right. Um, well, you know what they say about backup quarterbacks. Like, if you have a good one, right? If you need to win one game, he can win one game. If you need to win three games, he's going to win one game. Mm-hmm. And, and, and like, literally, like you're happy with those results. Like you didn't lose them all, so he did his job. And that's that's sort of the job of the backup quarterback. Like just keep us afloat. Try to get us, you know, keep us in the win column a week out of two or three. So that's what you're hoping for, anyway. All right, we had a couple questions from. Uh, I'll kind of combine them, but Michael and Mike, not the same people, but. Um, Mike and Mike. Yes. What do you make of the latest accusations against Stu Sternberg? And why would Mayor Kreisman call for him to step down? And then Mike had followed up, is the lawsuit against Sue serious, and could he lose control of the team? Well, listen, accusations can be made against anybody, Mm -hmm. I would say. And and so I would be very careful. Um, You can also file a lawsuit against anyone for anything as so long as you have the money and you, you want to go down to the courthouse and do it. Um, so having said all that, the problem with lawsuits are if, if they're not thrown out of court on their merit, um, they lead to discovery. Discovery leads to uh, maybe finding out what the finances truly are. Um, so this is, this is a serious situation from the standpoint that, you know, if you're Stu Sternberg, you don't want to be put in a position of having to go to court for anything, you know, um, certainly nothing that can cause your partner, your partner suing you. It's, it's optically, it's a bad look. And then there's, you know, if it gets to court, there's going to be some transparency. We've read, you know, figures of money that they've had in the past of $400 million and things like that. Who knows? But that's a good reason why baseball owners try not to get sued quite frankly, is they don't, they have no desire, um, you know, to turn that over. So I, I would say any lawsuit is serious. Um, but I can't begin to judge whether it's frivolous or, um, has a basis of fact or what it's an awful lot of money. And as far as Christman goes, I think what he was saying, and I don't want to put words in his mouth is that, you know, until this matter is settled, I'm not sure who I should negotiate with. Um, it probably shouldn't be Sternberg. But Kreisman doesn't know the outcome of this, and none of us do. Well, and by the time the outcome comes, Kreisman's not going to be mayor anymore. He's either. not going to be mayor, right. So he's he's not going to be the guy that makes a deal with any owner of the Tampa Bay Rays, whether it's Sternberg or somebody else, because he's on his way out the door. So I think this is politics, unfortunately. And if not, he's just being naive. But... Um, more likely it's politics. Yeah, I think it all depends. You know, the question is, are any of these allegations true? And, well, we don't know. Yeah, and, 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 There's no way you could know that. No. I mean, just simply because a minority owner or owners sue you doesn't mean that they're true. We I could, you know, you would like to, to think that they wouldn't just spend money on, on frivolous lawsuits. But, mm-hmm. you know, Sternberg has maintained that everything's on the up and up and, you know, until a judge says you got to turn over information, and maybe that's what they're after. I don't know. Well, for instance, in, in one of the first things that came out of this was, you know, Stu was talking to Montreal back in 2014. And, you know, it was like, he, you know, he can't do that. Well, he can talk, sure, especially if it didn't have anything to do with anything before 2028. There's, I mean, there's nothing wrong. I mean, you can make that accusation he was talking to them back then. doesn't mean he did anything wrong. Right. I mean, if he was trying to talk about moving the team there in 2021 when there's still a lease with the Trop- Tropicana Field, that would be a problem. 
Mm-hmm. But if he's talking to him and it's all about 2028 in the future beyond that, there was nothing wrong there. So I mean, you can make that allegation he was talking to them before then, but it doesn't mean anything was done wrong. I mean, you know. Well, it, and where's your where's your proof? Like, did, were you mm-hmm. privy to the conversation? Is there a printout right. of this? Did somebody right. write it down or transcribe it? Like, you know, it it even if even if you think that occurred, I'd be interested to know mm-hmm. just what documentation they have about it. Well, like I said, you know, what are the details of it? I mean, the, the right. details matter in that regard. Absolutely. Um, you, you know, saying that he was talking to Montreal back in 2014 before anyone knew it sounds bad and it can get yeah. people upset. But, but what's the context? You know? But I don't know if it's if he did anything wrong or anything that you would view as egregious. I mean, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, 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 Who knows? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. And I think, you know, it's going to take – more time and discovery and some things like that before we know how serious this is. I mean, lose control of the team. I highly doubt that. No, baseball is not one to do those kind of things. Right. Um, you know, unless there's a lot more stuff there that we haven't heard yet, or, you know, discovery shows a bunch of things. I mean, who knows? I mean, right. It's hard to predict the future on these things, but yeah. So I, I just, I hate to get ahead of lawsuits because everyone can file one and, I think you have to be really careful. I, I do think that the city of St. Petersburg and everybody would like this to advance to the stage where they could look at their books. I mean, that's natural, right? You'd like to know how much money they really are good for. Um, I think we'd all be surprised, but I'm not I'm not going to declare Stuart Sternberg in trouble or guilty or anything else just because people filed a lawsuit. I'm just not. Brian asks, with the trade of Willie Adamas for pitching depth, do you see or do you see any foreseeable needs or potential trading one of our outfielders? Wow, I haven't thought about it. Um, I mean, the guy you'd like to deal is Kevin Kiermaier. I think he's the opinion. next to go. Uh, yeah, it I mean, may not be this salary. year. Yeah, but. with that salary, you may have to eat some of it. You may have to pay half of it. I don't know how this is going to go. Um, but to me, they have a sufficient amount of, of uh, outfielders now that can all track the ball really, really well. Most of them are better hitters than Kiermaier. Um, we know what Kiermaier is. So... Yeah, I I mean I do think that he's probably if you could just throw a dart, I mean he's probably the guy that you'd want to deal if you can. I would think. Yeah, I I would think you know as far as the position players, he might be the next one to go. Um and, and it may not happen this year, it may be next season or off season or maybe it doesn't happen because it also takes two to tango. Um you have to have someone who wants sure. to pick up Kevin Kiermaier. Um, and who and to that point, do you think there's a market for him? Like a big, like do you think that there would be more than one team that would say, "Oh no, I want him." Oh no, no, I want him. At his I'm current sure salary, I don't know. It, do, do, want him? Yes. I, I I absolutely believe you know he He's saves ball he saves runs in the outfield. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, if you've got a team that's got a lot of offense but is deficient on defense, could he help you significantly? Yes. Yes. At his salary, I that I don't you know. I don't know who wants to pick that up as far right. as that much for a guy that has potential to hit but hasn't figured out how to do it consistently enough. Mm-hmm. Is know? hurt a lot. Well, the injury part too. But mm-hmm. but I, you know, I just look at his at-bats and, and it just looks like he doesn't doesn't always have a plan when he goes up there or it's, you know, understanding the situation. You know, sometimes you just need to get on base. Other times you can swing for the fences. Knowing right. which which one to do at which time. Right. Sometimes it seems like he's doing the opposite. 
not a lot of instincts either at the plate or on the bases. It's weird, but it's true. But he is one hell of a defensive oh. player. I can't deny that, man. And I was just looking part, at the two catches he made Tuesday night. The one you know back what in the Boston it, Meadows and then the one you know against the wall. You know what part of it is? The guy has no fear. And mm-hmm. when I when I say this, like I have played baseball with a lot of different people. You know who he reminds me of? And he and it's true that he play he's a football player who plays baseball. There is something different about those guys, man. And I've go been across around the middle. Own. He's a receiver that'll go across the middle and doesn't care if he doesn't ball him up. mind the contact. Right. Yeah. Do, like is it you, you can't and you can't sit there and go why is this guy like he's a little different? Yeah, he is. He's a football player. He played football in high school. Um, thought he was going to go, I think, on a scholarship to Purdue or someplace. Um, maybe that was for baseball, but I know he played football. And the, like he has no fear. I mean, you can't have fear when you cram when you when you run into walls like this guy does trying to make catches. I mean, that's the difference, right? Most of us would go. Whoa, whoa, whoa! This one's going to either go over or hit the wall. I'm going to back off now because I'm nearing I'm nearing the warning track, and I've got to put the brakes on here because I'm going to hit a wall. Kevin Kiermaier doesn't care. <laughs> I'm just here to tell you, and that's why he's injured all the time. His body, he sacrifices. He enjoys that. He enjoys that part of the game, and it's he's just different, man. Like he's wired different. Um, so yeah, I I, I admire his defense. Not so much as offense. I hadn't thought about the football analogy, but it, it, it's actually a really good one. I play with guys like it. That's mm-hmm. why. You know who was like that? Um, this will be a, a name that everybody knows. Jim Levitt. Mm-hmm. Jim Levitt was one of the best baseball players I ever saw. And he was a quarterback at Dixie Hollins High School. Football player his whole life. Football was his sport. But he played baseball. And he played it so well that when he got a scholarship to Missouri in football as a safety, and he was an all-Big Ten safety, or at that time, Big 8, not Big 10, Big 8 safety. Um, he also led Missouri in hitting, and I think he led the conference in hitting. And I watched this guy play center field, and he played it like Kiermaier. He would run into in, – there wasn't a wall he wouldn't run into. There wasn't a ball he wouldn't die for and sell out 100% for. He just played different. You know what I mean? The physical contact, the risk-taking. He wasn't risk-averse. He was 100% all in every day, all day. And that's why he was so talented at both sports. But football player, like I, I've seen guys in youth, youth ball, and we, we can point them out like, yeah, dude right there, he's a little different. Yeah, football player. <laughs> that's my theory. I just think that he, he brings that sort of, I'll run through, you know, you ever say, we'll run through a wall for you. Yeah, Kiermaier will. He will because he's not afraid. He's not afraid of getting hurt. All right, Matt asks, how many wins does Jeff Scott need this year to convince the Bulls fans he's moving the team in the right direction? What do you have one last year? That's correct. So two would be the right direction. Let's say it's got to be more than two. I would say try to win half of them. Try to go five hundred. You know, young team, first full recruiting class without COVID, all of that. Um, tough sell over there at USF right now. Try to win. Try to go five hundred. That should be your goal. I mean, you want to win them all, obviously, and I'm not saying that it won't. But you know, don't lose more than you win. And, and if that's, you know, however, if that's six and six or however, however many games they play, whatever that medium line is, just get there. Just get half of them. I think the number of wins is less important than how they play. How they play. And right, the reason I course. say that is okay. So two. What two of their first three games, or is it their first two games, are NC State and Florida? I don't expect them to win either of those two games. 
They're at NC State in Florida here at Raymond James Stadium. If you gave Florida all they could handle. But that's what I'm saying is how are you playing? I mean, like I said, I don't expect them to beat NC State or Florida. You know, but you need to show that you can – you've got players that can play with the big boys and and you can make some plays in those games. Yep. Um, The AAC is a tough conference. It's not power five, but it's definitely the sixth conference. You've got teams like UCF and Cincinnati on your schedule this year. Um, I think Tulsa's on there too. Uh, I was just looking at the schedule the other day, but you know, you've got, you've got a lot of tough games on the schedule. I think you need to, you got to win some conference games for sure. Um, but I, I, like I said, I, I think the cupboard was pretty bare when Jeff Scott took over. He's got to figure out who his quarterback is. He's got a couple young guys. I was at the spring game. A couple yeah. of those young guys are going to, I think, are going to be something. I don't know if they're going to start this year. But, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be how, it's how they play, but also how they improve throughout the year, too. Right. You know, this is his first full season of having a spring practice, of having a full fall practice. And now mm-hmm. you're going through a, a kind of a normal schedule. You didn't get that in his first year. No. So it's, you know, how is the improvements coming from spring practice through fall practice through then through the season, knowing that right. your first two games are against power five schools. You, you, most likely you're going to start 0-2. Maybe you pull an upset, but realistically they're not going to be favored in either one of those two games. So, no. you know, after, you, after those games, then how do, you, how do you go through your conference season at that point? And, and, and how are you progressing and improving and, and seeing that, you know, and, it's and tough. staying it's, it's going to be a tough season. I, I you know, mm-hmm. I think, I think next year's the year you can really judge Jeff Scott, okay. but I think you've got to see progress throughout this season and improvements. And, you know, once they figure out who their quarterback is, I think things become a little clearer because I mean, you know, yeah. the other way is, you know, some of these young guys are more of a more mobile type quarterbacks that can really move out of the pocket and run the game the run game where the older quarterbacks in the roster are more of those pocket passer types, you know? So it, it kind of determines which way your offense is going to go based on who your quarterback is too. So that's a part of this as well is, is figuring out, you know, which direction you're going to go this year and, and who's the best quarterback to lead this team. Right. No, I, I, listen, I like Jeff Scott. I think he's going to be a good coach. Mm-hmm. I think he needs time. Um, obviously recruiting is the big thing, but even if he gets those players, they're going to need a couple of years to get under his system and get going. So um, I'm not giving up on Jeff Scott. I mean, look, the worst time you could take over a team was last year, period. Mm-hmm. Mark, Mike Norvell's going through it. A lot of teams are going through it. So let's let's give Jeff the, the benefit of the doubt. And if he finds a quarterback, which is the key to everything in, in football, um, they're going to be competitive and very competitive soon. So um, big year for him, but I, I don't think it's do or die. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Casey asked, why don't Major League Baseball umpires use microphones to explain rulings to fans in the stadium or and on the television? NFL and NHL do this. Major League Baseball, they only give the explanation to the team managers. 
Yeah, you know what? I don't. I mean, to me, that's more of a how do we communicate to our fans thing? Like, we're we gonna go with a a booth umpire, which is you know the NFL has sort of gone to. Um, you know, what's the review play system? Um, it's fun to listen to if you if you get to hear it, but I I don't have a great reason to be honest with you. I. I I don't well, know. it annoys me about the NHL, and, and they're mic'd up, and you know, most part, number ninety three on whatever team, two minutes cross checking. But when you get the melee, and there's four people in the box, they don't tell you a thing. I'm like, you know, I, I it, it, it that annoys me. I mean, the NFL makes the umpires tell everything. Um, I, I, I wish the NHL would do that, and I would love to see the Major League Baseball umpires do that for yeah. weird situations. Yeah. Um. You know, it's about, you know, there's nothing worse than you're at the, the arena or, you know, you're trying to figure out what happened. Yeah, what, what's going on? Why, why is, why is, why did, why did Tampa Bay get a power play or why are they on the penalty kill or, yeah, you, you know, why is that runner on for second base? You know, yep. Purely um, transparency. I mean, that's it, you know? Yeah, I think it would help things if they do that. But it's, yeah. you know, look, it's the same reason why in, in pretty much all the sports is, you know, with replay. Well, we right. want replay to get the play right. But you can't review this, 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 or this. <laughs> That's right. Okay, well, you so know, what's the real John, goal of replay? John, yeah, John Gruden used to say this. is like, you know, if your goal is to get the game right, like if that's your goal, why you do replay because this is a catch, this isn't a catch, you know, um, this is where the ball should be, this is holding, whatever. If your goal was to really get the game right and it would last six and a half hours, then everything should be reviewable. Right, mm-hmm. like this dude over here just called holding on third and four, and we picked up the first down, and we could have four more plays, sixteen more plays. Like, like, why are we deciding not to review penalties? Because we know officials make mistakes all the time, mm-hmm. you know, and yet they don't they don't do it. So, the review system has has a long way to go, in my opinion. Well, I, what I can't stand, and, and this is in all the leagues, is play happens. Okay, hold on. Hold on. We're checking the monitors. Let me call back to the video. Co- hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. We're still checking. Hold on. We're not. We're, hold on. We're not ready yet. No, no. Hold uh, uh, Hold on. What? No, you, need more, you need more time still? Hold on. What? That, it, you need to call it immediately. I mean, the whole point of replay to me, replay isn't to overturn the play that one thirtieth of a second difference between touching the plate or, or you know the bag or not was in or out to me it's the one that you know the the guy was a foot off the bag right and you know you called him out and he never even touched the bag did he tag him did he not tag him yeah, yeah. you know not the not the you know okay did it brush the jersey just a, a one fr- one video frame which is either 130th or 160th of a second mm-hmm. or sooner or not i mean yeah. You know, that's not no what replays for. It's to overturn the egregious problems. I mean, you know, right. which, to be honest, doesn't happen very often in a game. No. I mean, you know, the the, the refs and umpires and, 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 and the officials in these leagues are really good. I mean, we get to see things in ultra HD slow-mo and go, oh, well, you know, two-thirtieths of a second sooner he actually touched them, not that. Right. They're the best of the best. Having said that, I think they let a lot of things go in the postseason that they may not call. Well, they may call in the regular season. That's a very different thing, yes. Yeah, that's a different time, different subject, but interesting. Great questions. 
Anymore? Yeah. We, oh, Casey asked another one. He said, why doesn't oh, Kevin Cash wear his jersey at the games? But here's my question. Know. Why do baseball managers wear jerseys? Well, that, that's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, do we want to see, and Kevin's a young man, but do we want to see guys in their 60s pulling on, you know. I, I mean, Joe Madden still wears the metal spikes, which I think is ridiculous. But Bobby Cox used to do the same thing, too. Love the metal spikes. You don't remember metal spikes. I yeah, do. Well, but, but as a manager, you don't need those. <laughs> Took out Howard Johnson one time with him. Um, no, you don't need a uniform. There's nothing. You know what? I've always thought of, like, what if other sports were like baseball? I mean, what if, like, Andy Reid. <laughs> oh, and, man. <laughs> and seriously, Andy Reid and Bruce Arians had to, like, throw on some pads. I don't, I mean, need, to, I don't need to see Stan Van Gundy in a basketball uniform. Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> hey, put the tank off. No, put it back. All of a sudden, you know, he's Ron Jeremy. No, I, I just listen. I, I, I think it's silly. I've always thought it was silly that baseball managers wear the uniform, especially when they're older and don't look good in them. I don't. You think don't, the hockey sweaters would look good on John Cooper? You know, on the bench, or maybe. I mean, if it's a sweater, but I don't want to see him on the ice. I know that. I don't. I don't. It's just so weird. Like baseball is the, the that's the sport, right? I mean, it was but one thing if you were Pete Rose and you were a player manager, and that's happened in history before. Yeah, okay. if you're if you're going to grab a bat or a ball and go up there and swing it, then that's fine. But if you're not, eh, I don't see it. I don't get it. I, I I don't. Other than hey, that guy's in charge. He's the boss. See, he's not wearing. He's not wearing. A, and why a does a manager need a number? I mean, I mean, they all well, have numbers too. It's a good point too. <laughs> I mean, we know he's the manager. Does anybody else that looks like this guy? That's you're afraid he's going to sneak in the game, and you know, no one notices. There's some young managers, though. I mean, there are some young ones, but you know, the heck with it. Yeah, those are all fair points. I I'm not sure. Um, yeah, Kevin Cash. We'll have to ask him that question. I think we we should probably come up to him and say, hey, you know, they want you to put your jersey on. I don't know. Does he have? Do you know his number? Do you know Kevin Cash's number? I don't. I know Joe Madden was 70. I don't Joe was 70, and he wore his all, a lot. 16? Is Kevin Cash 16? Sounds about right. I think that I was his who... playing number. I, he, I think at one point. Yeah, Let's I don't see. know. Let me see if they have it on. It's odd. It's an odd stat Let's for sure. Coaches. Do they have their numbers on here? Kevin Cash is 16. I was right. 16. Matt Quattrero is 33. Matola is 51. Kyle Snyder is 23. Wow. Ozzie Timmons is 30. Rodney Lanier is 27. So just in case you really wanted to know this stuff. Stan Borowski is 41. That's helpful to somebody, but not to me. But Paul Hoover, yeah. the minor league field co- or major league field coordinator is 24. You know. Nice. The process and analytics coach has a number. He's 97. Jonathan Ehrlichman. Wait a minute. He's 97? That's his number. Ehrlichman? Yeah. Was that the guy with the Pentagon Papers? He's the no, process and Ehrlichman. analytics coach. So, you know. Gotcha. The numbers guy. Gotcha, man. Numbers guy. I, you know, why, don't, why don't the trainers wear the jerseys then? If everyone else in the dugout does, why aren't the trainers? And Listen, man. They, baseball finally decided that they let their, their managers and their bench people take off their mask. Let's just let's start there. <laughs> but there's no way that anybody over the – in my opinion, nobody over the age of, of 40 should wear a uniform, even if you're on the team. Because, you know, even though guys are rocked up and stuff, it's just weird to me, man. If you're unless you're at you're fantasy in, camp, you're at the fantasy camp as a yeah, you know, sure, yeah, whatever. But but like really, like these guys had glory days, and maybe they want to put the uniform on again. But I would never. I don't think I would want to be. You know, I, I. It's just weird. It's always been weird to me. I never understood it. 
you know, my dad managed, he coached third base in a uniform. I thought it was the weirdest thing in the world, but right. that's what they did. We'll end with this, and Vince had asked, when you travel out of town for an event, how do you spend your time? Is it 100% devoted to the event, or do you become part of a part-time tourist? And how do the players spend their time away, at away games? Well, the players are very busy. Um, they usually have about a three-hour window after dinner and before snacks and lights out. When yeah, I think football talk. is different than some of the other sports. Yeah, it, it is. And, and you know, although people have to come to that city, they have to, you know, mm-hmm. make a point to the hotel, and there's a lot of coordination. With COVID, nobody saw anybody. No families right. went. Right. Um, they didn't meet them in the hotels. They couldn't do anything if they did. How I spend most of my time is doing the New York Times crossword. No, that's not what I do. I You do this I, podcast. That's what you do. Yeah, I do this podcast. I have done – it's age-based. Like when in, my, in my younger, wilder days, um, we might go out and have dinner and a beverage or two. Now it's just like how fast can we have dinner and go back and go to sleep uh, and watch you know, college football or whatever. Um, I hate to say it. I've been to a lot of cities, so I've done the tourist thing. And during the regular season, I don't need to do it. Uh, I don't know how many more times I can, you know, walk Bourbon Street or, you know, name. I mean, there's not a stadium I haven't visited other than the new ones like the Rams, which I'll check off the box this year. Um, I like to sightsee. I mean, I, if I have time, if it's a Saturday, you know, we went to L.A. I think last year or the year before. Um, and, you know, we found our way out out to the beach, you know, and out to that that mess out there but you may have a um, lot more time on sundays this year. you got a lot more night games and stuff we got like a lot that, of night so games you yeah days, I, your days to fill yeah and the way i will fill that is by watching football i'll turn on the tv at 10 a.m and the games will come on at one eastern and i'll sit there and watch them i think baseball and hockey and basketball are a little different because you can go to cities for a couple days you're there for four days um, so yeah. you get off days sometimes on the road Right. Um, you know, so it's you, great. You, you, you know, you've got different things there. Games are generally at night, and you're not um, playing most of the time till the next night. So yep. you have like you know twelve hours. So yeah. So yeah, I think I think the players are, and probably the writers and people and broadcasters who cover the teams are. It's you know, it's a little different based on the sport and, and how long you're in a city or how the road trip goes and and that because you know. Baseball, you can go on a ten-day road trip sometimes, and you may have an off day or two on on the road, and so and it depends on the city what you might do. And we're in and out. And and when I covered the Rays this one time for Mark Tompkin, um, the most weirdest, sort of strangely glorious thing was knowing I was going to be in Baltimore for four days. And when I got to my hotel room, I said, "You know what? I can take stuff out of this suitcase and put it in a drawer, and mm-hmm. and, and and it'll be here when I get home from the ballpark at two a.m." And that's what I did. So when I did baseball, that, this is 15 years ago, doing the Braves and and traveling. You know, when we went to D.C., we did the touristy stuff. We went to Arlington. We went to some of the museums and oh yeah, and some of that stuff. Philadelphia, we did some of the you know, in, in Boston as well, we did some of the tourist stuff from you know American history back in you know 1700s and that. Um, other cities, you might just you know, hang out and go to a bar or restaurants or whatever else. It kind of depended on where you were at and the game situation and when yeah. you were leaving, you know, when you were leaving next. And, you know, it was a lot of things factored into what you did. But yeah, for us, usually dinner is involved. I mean, I will say that off the mm-hmm. top. And there's usually myself uh, back in the day, it was Tom Jones, maybe Greg. Um, and I mean, we will find a nice place to eat and, you know, we won't try to like, but we, we will have not eaten breakfast. Um, you know, it depends on when you land, all that stuff. And we'll usually go out and have a nice dinner. And I like I like sampling, you know, sort of what the culture of the city is, too. You know, other people are in there. 
what's going on? Is it a holiday? Is it Halloween? There have been, I've been on the road many, many Halloweens before. Um, you will be this year. It will be again. <laughs> yeah. In New Orleans. The, the, hard, the weirdest thing is to go out and realize you're the guy without the crazy mask. Like you're the only one that's, that's not wearing one of these damn masks. And so you're kind of leaning over going, hey, you got anything for me? <laughs> like a junkie. Hey, can I have some lipstick or can I have, can I have some face paint? Like what do you got? <laughs> um, give me that hat. How much for that Navy hat? <laughs> you know, like I don't need a, I need something. And, and if people were ridiculed, it's like, hey, man, what's wrong with you? You're not dressed up for Halloween. It's like, ah. I'm just here I'm to have, have I'm dinner. Yeah, right. So there's that. But good questions. Really good. Kind of all over the place tonight. I like it. So thanks for your questions, as always. We hope that you have a great Memorial Day. We will be back to talk to you about the Lightning against Carolina in Game 1 of their series on Monday. So for Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. 